Well, we've got some good news on the virtual Bible study tonight. Big Actually, announcement. Yeah, big announcement is that we're here tonight. Well, and, <laughs> and, and um, officials have just confirmed that you cannot contract the coronavirus by listening to the virtual Bible study. Oh, great, great. So, uh, that's a good, big relief. But actually, it is it is a sort of a headline news story because I put out on our update that we were having a lot of Internet issues today. We were without Internet until about 15 minutes ago. Yeah. So, uh, so you're a little frazzled. A little frazzled from hanging around just waiting all day for the service people to get here. But we got it, and we're going to have the virtual Bible study. And I think we've got a really interesting topic tonight, Jacob. And it has to do with health issues. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, and so uh, it actually has to do with end-of-life kind of issues. And we've got a special guest who's going to join us in a minute uh, as, we, as we dive into the virtual Bible right, study. So it's going to be an important discussion. You're going to want to stay tuned, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, uh, March 5th, 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Glad to be here with you. And uh, Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, glad that you're here. That's good to be here. Now, you can't contract the coronavirus by just listening to the Virtual Bible Study, but it if you're listening with someone who's got it, you yeah. could get it. And, yeah. and Kyle's sort of hacking tonight. I'm a little bit worried. Actually, you okay, Kyle, Kyle? Oh, yeah. Kyle you just told me, though, I didn't know this. Kyle just told me that there's a confirmed case just one county away from us. Uh, so it's getting close to I'm home I'm afraid now. there's a confirmed case in the room with us tonight. Yeah, yeah. Keep it over there, Kyle. Kyle's a health care <laughs> professional, so he knows what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. He knows what he's doing. Uh, we're glad that you're listening to us tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, and also, if you're listening to us live tonight, uh, sign in the chat room. Other listeners are filing in there, and we'd like for your participation there. The program's always better when you help with the discussion. So help us out in the chat room tonight, if you will. And anytime you're listening to the program, if you have a question or comment, uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you uh, if you've got something you'd like to discuss with us. And remember that you can get on our weekly update list if you will send us an email to that same address, questions at collegeview.com. If you're not getting our weekly updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just put in the subject line even. Just add me to your list. That's all you got to say somewhere in the message or the subject line. And on Thursdays about midday, we were late today because of our Internet issues, but usually about midday uh, we send out an email telling you what our topic for discussion is going to be. And today we we gave the topic questions concerning these end-of-life issues. Let me run through these questions real quick. And then, Jake, if you've got to introduce our special guest okay. to help us discuss these things. Yep. First of all, is fish physician-assisted suicide wrong for the terminally ill? Number two, is it wrong to stop taking medical treatment for an illness? Is this, in effect, suicide? Number three, is it murder for someone to pull the plug on a terminally ill loved one? Number four, is it wrong to take or administer medications to alleviate pain of the terminally ill? And then finally, 
Can we expect a miracle in cases of terminal illnesses? And if not, why would we even bother to pray for the sick then? Okay. So those are the questions Good we questions wanted to, to address tonight. And our topic tonight was prompted uh, by a bulletin article that was written uh, by a gentleman in Florida who is on the line with us tonight. Derek Long is calling us from Jennings, Florida tonight. Uh, Derek, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, yeah, I think we've Say got that again, Derek. We may have you there, Derek? Yes, can you? Okay, we there got we go. you. Thanks. Yeah, we got you. Derek, we appreciate you joining us. Derek uh, wrote a, a really good article about uh, some things to consider around these end-of-life decisions. Uh, and, Derek, so I thought it would be good to have you here. Derek preaches for the Oak Grove Church of Christ in Jennings, Florida, where my in-laws happen to be members, and that's how I happen to come across his bulletin. Uh, so, Derek, I appreciate you joining us on the program tonight. Thank you for having me come. So, Derek, um, you mentioned at the start of your article that these are not terms that you would find in the Bible. We don't find, uh, you know, uh, resuscitation or uh, respirator. respirator or a heart-lung machine. Yeah, those things aren't in the Bible. Well, actually, really, those things have just come along in our lifetimes, really. I mean, uh when I was just a very young boy, I think they had just sort of invented a heart-lung machine, but it was like this room-sized piece of equipment that a person had to basically live inside uh, full-time if they wanted to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And, man, look at look at the advancements in medical technology that have taken place just within the last 50 years or so. So, you know, I don't hear anything about life support in the Bible. Does that mean that we're left to navigate these issues on our own, Derek? Well, I think there's a lot of Bible topics, like things we face in life that the Bible doesn't necessarily just say something directly about. But God says, like, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, like Second Peter 1 and verse 3. And so I know it gives us the answers for how to handle any decision to know what's pleasing to God or what's wrong. Now, we have liberty in some areas, but um, we can know what God expects of us. That's a good. I think that's exactly right, Derek. I mean, there's all kind of things in our lives that they didn't have in Bible times. I mean, they didn't have automobiles. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have Internet. They didn't have TV or radio. But I believe it really indicates the infinite wisdom of God in the fact that he could produce a written document for us that has principles in it that will regulate everything, even as even the technology things that we have today, the use of them is fully and accurately regulated by the moral principles set forth in the Word of God. And, and I don't think that men on their own could have ever written a document like that. They would, they, it would have had to have been constantly updated. Well, yeah, men. look at it. I mean, yeah. that's the way it is with, with anything that today that someone would put together. It, it wouldn't have the wisdom to be applicable 2,000 years after the fact. Yeah. But I think, Derek, you're right that, that, uh, if we will, if we will look carefully to God's word, there will be principles there that will guide us. And even decisions like these end of life questions, I, I, in your article, you also mentioned that these are some of the meatier questions of spiritual discernment. Uh, and in Hebrews 5, verses 12 and 14, it says that those who are of full age who have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. And so uh, this is a meaty question. Uh, and so we have to use good judgment and, and common sense and logic and reason to 
understand God's word and make the application. So, Derek, in your article, you laid some groundwork for us uh, at the very beginning of that, and that is that um, life is very precious in God's sight. Um, run through some of those uh, arguments and those verses that you would use to show us that we need to respect life, uh, a, a principle that sadly in our society today is one that is becoming increasingly rare, but uh, that life is precious and we need to respect it. Yes. So, I mean, you go back all the way to, like, creation, where Genesis 1.26 would say, where God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God had created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So we see that man is created in God's image, and that sets him apart from, like, animals and all that. So he has something special about him, like chapter 2 would say in verse 7 of Genesis, that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So we know God is the giver of life. Um, we'd have other passages that point out that God kind of sustains our life. Think about what's said over in like Daniel chapter 5, um, in the account there with Belshazzar, Daniel 5 verse 23 talks about the God, and the end of that verse, he holds your breath in his hand knows all your ways you have not glorified. And so he makes life, he sustains life. Acts 17 talks about he gives all life, breath, and all things, I think verse 25. So um, that makes man's life valuable and important. And God makes laws against like, mankind taking someone else's life. I think about Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. And he shall not murder in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, things like murder is a work of the flesh, and those who practice such will not inherit the kingdom of God, Galatians 5, 19-21. So those are some of the things. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think it's a, I think it's a good distinction that you make there, Derek, about the difference between human life and animal life. We're authorized to take animal life. Uh, we're authorized to, to take it, to, to eat it, uh, you know, uh, but what, even even under the under the Old Testament system, they were to take animal life and offer it as sacrifice. But there was a specific condemnation of God hated when the pagans made human sacrifice, and so there was a distinction between animal life and human life. And human life has always been regarded as precious and valued, and, and that's an understanding that we need to have as we approach these questions about what do you do. We're going to die. I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that if if the Lord tarries and we re, and and time continues, all of us who are listening to the program tonight are going to die. Hebrews nine twenty seven says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And so, it becomes a it becomes a question. And as we approach that inevitability, uh, how do we handle that, knowing that? Life, human life in particular to God is very special. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in the discussion tonight as we talk about end-of-life issues and considerations. And so uh, life is very precious. Uh, as you've mentioned there, Derek, God has rules against taking the life. But I've got a question. If someone is terminally ill and there is absolutely no way in the world that anyone in their right mind would say this person has any chance of recovering they're in terrible pain and that pain is going to worsen over time is it not 
a merciful thing for maybe a doctor to administer some type of lethal medicine to this patient to so so-called put them out of their misery physician assisted suicide if you will what do you think Derek on the on the physician assisted suicide question now where Jacob has painted the kind of a uh, 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 very black and white question, but it's actually, in my opinion, not a black and white issue. There's more shades of gray there. So here's a patient who is, uh, I mean, there's this all-consuming cancer that's probably going to take his life next week. That would be at one end of the spectrum. You know, he's got hours or days to live. But in the cases of that you read about in the news about assist. Uh, physician-assisted suicide, usually those are not those kinds of, you know, urgent matters where death is at the doorstep. They are usually more, well, my family has a history of diabetes, and I've had some relatives who've died with complications from diabetes, and the doctor last week told me that I am pre-diabetic. <laughs> and wow. uh, and I just don't, I don't want to deal with that. I, I, I don't want to face those those realities. And I, I would I just want to end it all before it starts. That's the other end of the spectrum. OK. And so it's not it's not a, it's not a black and white. This guy's going to die next week anyway, because because people will take that and they'll run with it. If you say, OK, we can help the guy who's destined to die next Friday. We can help him, but if you if you say we can help him, then these these other people who probably wouldn't die for years to come are going to jump on that bandwagon and say, now, well, you can't stop us now. If you're going to allow one person to make that choice, you got to allow us all to make that choice. Derek, what would your thoughts be about either one of those scenarios? Yeah. So, I mean, the scenario I think that was brought up was it's probably easier to answer in a sense, probably because I mean, it's not like you're imminent. Certainly, life is going to have things like sickness and sufferings and pain like that. And like the Bible would teach that sometimes we can be made better by those things. I think about Paul, Paul talks about like when he was he's strong in Second Corinthians chapter twelve. He said, "Whatever the flesh, um, we don't need to just think my life be." problem free in order for me to think I'm going to stay in life but recognize that sometimes problems in life can cause us to trust in God to learn his will do his will so there can be benefits well, on the yeah yeah I, I I like your I like your connection with uh Paul there and the and the thorn and the flesh that he suffered which was apparently a quite uh it was a chronic and unpleasant physical condition that Paul had. Nobody's ever been able to say for sure what it was, but it was obvious it wasn't too pleasant for him. Probably more than an ingrown toenail. Yeah, and he said that that he, uh, uh, in Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, the, the Lord told him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And therefore Paul said, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So uh, I think that's a good tie-in. Paul Paul, the option to Paul wasn't, well, let's just end it all because this is not, I mean, I, this is this not ideal. Is, yeah. uh, he said, I'm going to work with it. I'm going to, I'm going to glorify God in how I deal with it. And, you know, I think all of us have had, 
experiences with with individuals maybe who who took the two different routes, some who were so just absolutely devastated when they got a report of a physical ailment, maybe even a terminal ailment, and others who just accepted it and, and knowingly moved forward, did the best they could for as long as they could. Uh, uh, and and you think you got to have the idea that Paul there was that sort of a person who was going to make the best of whatever came his way. All right. So, Derek, you took the easy one there. The, the yeah. more complicated one um, we'll take after we get back yeah. from a break. We're going to take a commercial so break. The person yeah. is going to die next week. Can we, well, put them out of their misery now? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. We're sending your answer in the chat room tonight. We're going to get a break. We'll get back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Warning: This is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area. BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible. We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD. Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible Deficit Disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Truth ever gains and error uniformly loses by discussion. We cannot hold a light for another's path without brightening our own way. A little philosophy inclines men's minds to atheism, but depth in philosophy brings men's minds to religion. He who hates punishes only himself. A poor listener seldom hears a good sermon. Attitudes are nothing more than habits of thought, and habits can be acquired. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. We're talking with Derek Long in Jennings, Florida tonight about end-of-life issues. And we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. In the chat room tonight, Dwight answers the question. He says, God gave us life. Who are we to take what God gave? And he goes on, he says, we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong to the Lord. Now, that's interesting because we're bought with a price whether we have physical ailments or not. We're not our own. I mean, I don't get to decide that I'm my own because now I've got diabetes. I've got a terminal illness. I don't get to decide that. I still am God's, and so I need to live uh, by the parameters that he set forth uh, for me. So, Derek, we ask you uh, to answer the question about the, the person who is terminally ill, has just a very short amount of time to live. Is that a different question? Is there a different answer to that question than there is the one who just wants to go ahead and die before they have to face some illness in the future? Uh, what about the one who's terminally ill now? Uh, well, I think one of the things, some of the things we don't know, like we don't know how long that person's going to live. I mean, we could think that it's not going to be very long, and it could be longer than that. 
um, and we've known cases views. like that, haven't we? I mean, we've known cases where people say, ah, oh, he's got a, he's got a week to live and the guy ended up lived six months or something. We, we, I think probably all of us have known cases like that. Yes. Um, and it's sometimes the argument like is, well, it's merciful to just go ahead and not let them have to go through so much suffering. I think you'd still have the fact that, I mean, one thing we're kind of assuming in that discussion as well is that the person would be prepared to die. Certainly, if a person's not right with God, then it's not going to be better for them if they went ahead and died. So that would be one thing to think about. Uh, From like Luke 16, this rich man dies, and he goes to somewhere that's worse than the worst thing you could have probably on this life. I think that's a really, really really good point, Derek. You know, all the time. I, I don't care what kind of a life the person has lived. So this guy dies, and he was just an absolute rascal. He just was not a godly, moral man at all. Uh, but maybe you know some of the family, and so you, you go to the funeral or visitation at the funeral home, and everybody is saying he's in a better place. You know, everybody thinks when they die, they're not necessarily. And as Derek just said, you know, if this person's not right with God, then he's better off to suffer here and have a little more time to think about that, because when he dies, his suffering is going to be far worse. Yeah, uh, good point. Uh, Derek, I liked what you said in your article. That regardless of the time frame that we're, that that is under consideration, whether whether death may come soon or later, physician assisted suicide is a different cause of death. If if, if you if you introduce uh, some drug into the body that cha- that affects the body, I don't care whether the body is near death or far from death, then the, the person ends up dying not because of the illness he had, but because you added something to him. You killed him. You killed him. Yeah. And so I think that the idea of physician-assisted suicide is is irregardless of the potential lifespan that the person still has to live because if you, if you cause the death rather than the illness itself causing the death, then that's the taking of life. And I think that's condemned in all of the, the verses that have already been discussed. Absolutely. And, Derek, you made another good point as well, and that is that, um, well, you talked about suffering can be good for us. You, we talked about the fact that murder is wrong. But also, Derek, while we have breath in our bodies, we should be uh, serving the Lord and, and doing work for him. And there is work to do regardless of where we find ourselves in life. Even if we find ourselves uh, in the midst of a terminal illness, there's still good that can be done for God, and we need to be looking for uh, that and be willing to do that whatever stage of life we're in. Yes. I think Paul is a good example of that when he says, like, he's in prison and puts in the morning, he might die, but immediately it's Christ. And so, yeah, you got to think that that was not an ideal condition that Paul was in when he penned those words, Philippians 1, as you just mentioned there in verses 20, uh, 21 through 23. He was in prison, uh, and he said, in verse 21, that it would actually, to him, be a gain to die. To die is gain, he said. Uh, but he goes on to say, and he said in verse 23, I'm in a twix between two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, he says in verse 24. So Paul saw that there was a there was an advantage to his life being prolonged, not ended abruptly, because he could still do good. You know, and... Uh, we, we all, I'm sure, could look at folks who faced those uh, terrible uh, end-of-life days uh, with terminal illness 
who did so with faith, and we can think about the encouragement that they were to those that were around them as they exemplified that faith in action as they faced uh, death. I know, Jake, if you've told me before, you were real close with uh, a, a good faithful gospel preacher named Tom Moody, mm-hmm. who who died a, a, a rather unpleasant, after an unpleasant battle with cancer. Leukemia, very Leukemia. painful. Yeah. And uh, it was in a lot of pain. But you have told me how he really encouraged you by the way he, yeah. he yeah. dealt with that. Right. And those are around him. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was busy. He was trying to teach others up to the very end when he couldn't. Yeah. Uh, and uh, And so... Certainly, uh, whatever phase of life we find ourselves in, as Paul did, you know, think about Paul in, in prison. He could have said, hey, life's over, I'm done. He's still teaching others in prison and having an influence on others uh, right up to the end. And so we need to look at our life that way as well. Um, all right. Let's, let's uh, talk. Derek, I think, Derek, you had a point, Derek? The other thing I thought about, kind of like the idea of, like, mercy, is if my view of mercy is, like, violating God's commandments is the merciful thing to do, then that's probably almost exalting my thinking above what God's wisdom is. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly right. Absolutely. I think you're exactly right. Okay. Uh, Dwight's what? sent a couple more comments. He said, look at Christ who went through so much. Why did God just not take him out so Jesus didn't have to suffer? Uh, he said it was inevitable that Jesus would die on the cross. There's a, there's a good point. I mean, now, Dwight's got a point there. I mean, so this is terminal. I, I actually think, and a lot of us have studied what medical authorities have written about the torture of Jesus' body. I, I think there's real strong probability that Jesus would have died anyway after that scourging. Historical accounts talk of lots of people who died as uh, as a consequence of the horrible scourging that the Romans did to Jesus. And so he he may have been, in fact, terminal. When they nailed him to the cross, it was, inevitable. He was, it was, die it was definitely else. inevitable yep. he was going to die. Why not just end it? Yeah. Uh, but he 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 suffered. All right. Good. Um, a couple of those quite a couple Kent, of them responded uh, in uh, Calhoun, Georgia. He said, "Yes, it is wrong in such uh, in that such activity induces death. Such would constitute the taking of human life without divine authority." And so it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, let's put it this way: Could I uh, could I go into? There's a lot of shootings today you know could i go into like a walmart and shoot the place up and and kill somebody and would i be released as innocent if i happened to shoot a person who was terminally ill shopping there and i didn't realize it you know but oh so your defense they did a biopsy and you know so your defense is going to be that the person you killed in a random shooting at the walmart was going to die anyway they did a biopsy (laughs) and found out he had brain cancer you know he didn't he was walking around he was almost he would have found out next week he was going to die i don't think that defense has ever been offered in a court of law and i don't think it would stand but it's the same effect yeah, yeah yeah all right okay good all right uh Next question. What about, I, so I've got terminal cancer, and all the doctors are quite convinced of that. And I've been taking some treatments for cancer, but if they're working, they're not working much. And the and the cancer's getting worse and worse. Could I just stop taking the cancer treatments? Because some of those treatments are very painful. And tremendous, horrible side effects. And very expensive. Yeah. And someone might say, you know, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to let the disease run its course. Is that, Derek, the same as the doctor injecting a lethal uh, medication into someone to kill them? Uh, would that be the equivalent of maybe self-suicide or suicide? That's, that's sort of redundant. Suicide? Is it a suicide to just stop taking the medical treatment? Um, 
I don't know if I have all the answers to that question, okay. <laughs> but I think I think some of the things that I think about is like if the treatment's not producing any good results and it's just causing harm, then I, if I stop the treatment, then I'm just maybe just gonna allow myself to have as long of a natural life as I could have and just let the disease run its course. I don't think that's exactly suicide, like the distinction we talked about earlier. I'm not putting something in me that's causing me to die or something like that. It's the disease that's causing my death. So I think there's a difference between that and suicide. I agree. I think that's a good distinction you make there, and you bring that out in your article uh, real well. By the way, Jacob, we need to, we need, we're making lots of reference to this great article that Derek wrote. And if anybody wants a, a hard copy of that, if they'll just send us an email, uh, to questions at collegeview.com, we'll send you a copy of this article and, and it's making a lot of the same points that we're discussing tonight. But, uh, if you'd like to get a, a hard copy of that, just send yeah. us an email yeah. and we'll get it to you. Um, all right. Uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia said, such depends. Is the illness tem- ter- uh, terminal? If an illness is terminal, ceasing to take medication would only be allowing nature to take its course. If such an illness is not within self, not within itself terminal, one could contribute to an illness becoming terminal by refusing medical care. In that type of situation and permitting one's illness to purposely grow into a terminal condition when death could be prevented, such seems to be based upon a suicidal mentality. Yeah. So uh, Kent's response there, Kent's in Georgia, and his response to us by email, I think is probably what we where we have to leave it. it it's going to have to be determined in a case-by-case kind of situation. And, you know, judgments have to be made. And when we have to make judgments and we're trying to make them in harmony with God's will, I think the principle that James stated in James chapter 1, verse 5 if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Some of these, we need wisdom in making these kind of decisions. Uh, and and so I could see both both cases, just as Kent said in his email, if it really is terminal, then then just stopping the meds and letting the the, the disease take its course is just nature, the, the natural thing happening. But on the other hand, uh, if... I stop taking medications when uh, under the under the motivation that I really want to die anyway, and, and maybe I, I'm causing death that I could have prevented. That's another question altogether. So I think it's going to have to be judged on a case by case. Mohan in Chicago says, "I believe it is okay in circumstances to stop taking med- medication prescribed if it provides side effects that affect the life and if cost is an issue." He says, for example, med- medications that lower cholesterol or sugar. So he says, well, you know, maybe th- th- even in something like that, uh, there could be some side effects that are counterproductive, and maybe you decide that oh, it's better to, to deal with the other than it is to deal with the side effects. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, maybe a difficult I- But I do think a person knows his own heart. And and a person knows whether he's really doing it because he wants to he wants to commit suicide effectively or in effect wants to commit suicide or whether he just sees it as a decision that he thinks is best because it's 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 not really beneficial you know, in the long term. Some of those medications you hear the advertisements and they go on for about they look longer than the advertisement itself telling you all the side effects. Yeah. You get. When I hear some of those, I say, yeah, I want some of that. You stuff. could have a kidney fall out yeah. and you're. Yeah. Brains could rot and all this stuff. You know, well, I think I'm okay. I'm not Kyle, feeling what, as bad Kyle, as I thought. we haven't gotten you're, – you're a medical person. Any insights on any of this that we've been talking about? It, 
I've, uh, which I think all Christians would know of, like if they had, uh, if they got cancer, would it be, you know, it's live the life that I have uh, allotted to me and take chemo? Because some chemo and radiation can be as devastating in the short term as cancer would be in the long term. So I think it is be a case by case, definitely. But <clears throat> yeah, it's yeah, it's something that all Christians who go through physical ailments and maladies. I'm sure it's these are things we think about. So it's just yeah. Okay, so, good. Derek, there is one other consideration that you put in your article here, though, about uh, the, maybe the dread of death. And uh, and that, uh, with the Christian's perspective on things, that may help with some of the decision-making because the death is not uh, not the end of the road. Yes. And it's not something I can just avoid indefinitely. Like we pointed out, if Hebrews 9.27, if time goes on, I'm going to die. So. Absolutely. All right. We need to get a break, get this week's bullet point. Uh, Derek, can you hang with us in another section? We, yeah. We sort right. did Derek wrong here. We told him 30 minutes. And well, we we'll double his pay. I told him if we kept him over, we'd double his pay. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Don't expect much. <laughs> yeah, we're going to break this week's bullet point. Get your thoughts on the other side. Send them in the chat room if you've got one. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Quinn with this week's bullet point. The flow of information is more efficient today than ever in history. Those who write on any given subject can have their thoughts and opinions disseminated far and wide with a simple keystroke on a computer. While it was once a difficult challenge to get a book published, it is now relatively easy to self-publish all sorts of literature. And the Internet has made it even easier to get a message out to the masses. Start a blog page, get a handful of people to like and share your post on social media, and suddenly your views are spread exponentially to the world. Sadly, there are some folks who give instant credibility to anything written in a book or entered on a blog page. The very fact that someone has his or her writings published in one form or another has a way of convincing certain others that he or she is an expert and the views expressed are surely right. Nowhere is this more evident than in the religious realm. The problem, of course, becomes fully exposed when the blogger's latest rant differs with the sound doctrine being preached in a local church. Never mind that the brother in the pulpit has studied God's word diligently for a lifetime. His understanding of the scriptures is quickly discarded in favor of the currently popular Internet author. After all, the preacher has no letters or degrees. He's old-fashioned and out of touch. It is wrongly assumed that he's just reciting the old party line and that he has never seriously searched things out for himself. The blog poster, on the other hand, is praised for thinking outside the box and for challenging long-held traditions. This disturbing trend is being observed in many congregations. Brethren are being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4, verse 14. They are unlearned and unstable, and the scriptures are being perverted unto their own destruction, 2 Peter 3, verse 16. While the stream of information is at an all-time high, don't forget that it's still our job to, quote, try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world, First John 4, verse 1. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com, where you can find out more about our meeting times and our place of meeting. 
And you can uh, also find a link to uh, how you can podcast the sermons that are preached or some of the sermons that are preached here. And you can view all of the sermons on our YouTube feed. Kyle, Kyle where do we get to that? At, uh, well, if, you wanna, if you're on YouTube, you can just search College View Livestream. It gets you straight to the page, and you can subscribe and follow every which we have. Uh, there's three on Sunday, and, of course, there's a Wednesday night service. So and you said we've got some people, some pretty regular customers there who are, who are live streaming with us pretty regularly, so that's great. Doesn't, it does not replace the need to uh-huh. assemble, but when you can't or uh-huh. you just want some extra sermons uh, to listen to or to view, uh, check that out. I know Dwight uh, looks at uh, some of those sermons. He, he's in the chat room tonight. He views some of those, and so uh, it certainly is a good uh, way to get the message out. Kyle, thank you for getting that out there for us. We're talking with Derek Long on the program tonight uh, down in Jennings, Florida, about end-of-life issues. Uh, Derek, before the program, we were talking, or before the break, we were talking about uh, some considerations of, uh, well, when could you stop taking the medication uh, if you're facing some of those terminal illnesses? Is it, uh, is it suicide to stop taking medication? Uh, maybe some other considerations that we need to keep in the mix there as well. Yeah. One thing I thought about is I, we do have a responsibility to like, care for our bodies. From Ephesians 5.29, it says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the body. So we have that responsibility to keep in mind. And also, I need to be careful about making sure my motives are right. I might do the right thing. Like in Philippians 1, people might preach the gospel, but they do it from wrong motives, and that kind of negates their right action and so we need to be careful that we don't do something that might be lawful that i'm doing from wrong motivations yeah and you know i think that could bleed over even from the person with the the terminal condition to the relatives you know so i'm the relative of a person who's terminally ill and maybe i'd like them to go ahead and kick the bucket Mm. and so i'm sort of the one that's providing hands-on care for them and so i make the decision for them to stop their meds to hasten death well, what's my motivation in that and so i i think i think motive of heart could come really to play for more than one person in that matter mm-hmm. all right um all right so uh number three all right so uh it, what about Pulling the plug. Okay, so somebody is on life support systems, and what about pulling the plug on a person like that? This is one, although I don't know if I have all the things figured out. Some things I think about is maybe ask what's the state of the individual who's on life support. Like, do they have a chance of coming to? And if that is the case, it might be closer to murder, depending on what the probabilities are, I guess, maybe. Yeah, uh, uh, for instance, uh, yeah, and again, medical technology just keeps coming right along. But they're able to tell us now there's no, for instance, the person has no brainwave activity. In other words, the person, you you can artificially keep this person going. You can keep their heart beating and their and their lungs taking in and expelling air. But the fact of the matter is there there is no brainwave activity and they are effectively dead, even though you're keeping them mechanically alive. So that's, I mean, again, this is, this is the kind of question that you've got, you've got to take all the information, uh, to make an informed decision along those lines. And, uh, I think to some extent we are, uh, have to trust the information being supplied to us 
uh, by the medical authorities. So this person's on life support, but there's a good chance that they're going to be able to get well and get off of those life supports. We've known plenty of people, plenty of people who've done that. On the other hand, they say, this person is actually really dead already. We're just keeping them alive artificially. Uh, in that sort of case, then, you know, the decision may be for the medical professionals to stop that artificial sustaining of life. But again, uh, I, I would think, uh, that that is a case by case based upon, again, praying for wisdom, make the best decision and trusting, uh, the advice of medical authorities. Let's go to the phones now and uh, welcome Wade to the program. Wade, uh, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Dwight. Oh, oh it's it Dwight. is Dwight. No, Dwight. Hey, Dwight. How is it cold in Iowa tonight, imagine? Can you hear us, Dwight? Oh, I think we've got some problems with our connection here. Dwight, are you there? Well, I think we can hear Dwight. We can hear Dwight. Can hear... Dwight can't hear us. Yeah. Well, nice music there. Yeah. Well, oh, well. Dwight, are you there? Oh, Dwight. Let's see. Oh, I... Let's keep keep going with Derek. I'll work on Dwight here. Oh, okay, all right. So uh, we were we were talking about the the question of pulling the plug on someone who's terminally ill, and that, that's 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 a hard call. But I do think there's a difference maybe between terminally ill and already dead, technically dead. Uh, what would you think about that, uh, Derek? Yeah, like I was thinking, like if a person, I'm not a medical guy, but like their brain isn't able to come back or something like that, that would be like, well, they're basically already, you're just kind of keeping them alive by these machines. That's all that's doing it. There's no chance of them coming back. I know like some people, I guess, like I've heard like in a coma where they can come back, well, that might be a different situation. You might need to keep them on. Yeah. yeah I like think, you said, there's going to be some medical professional advice you're probably going to have to listen to. You know yeah. what to think. We got an email from uh, one of our listeners in Georgia who said, uh, the case being that actively inducing death would be murder, or pulling a plug on a terminally ill individual would be murder. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the I think the key expression there is actively inducing death. And so the question would be: if we discontinue these life support measures, are we actively inducing death, or is the or is the reality that the, the person is? Basically dead already, and are just and their their bodily functions are being sustained artificially. If that's the case, then uh, again, we got to we got to take these principles. I think we take the principles that you enumerated to us earlier, Dwight. We value human life. We care for human life. We do what we can to preserve human life. You know, these are the godly Hello? moral principles, and then. If the person, if the life support systems are just an artificial extension of the of the body, but the spirit has already departed, then there's really no reason for that. Dwight, yep. can you hear us now? Dwight can't hear us. Oh, well, we have to give up we'll on him. We'll work on Dwight. You keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, we've got one more question we wanted to ask you, uh, Dwight, and we ask our listeners by Derek. our update, uh, uh, Derek, rather. Derek, we, we had the final question being, is it wrong to take or administer medications to alleviate the pain of a terminal illness? What do you think about that? Okay. Some of my thoughts are, like, you could start back with saying, like, the Bible endorses the profession. So this would say, like, those 
who are well don't have need of physician, but those who are sick. And I know he's talking there probably in its context some about people with spirits are sick, but the only reason that can be a, a true illustration is it has to be true in real in the physical realm as well. Right, right, right. Um, First Timothy chapter five looks like something is medicine when he talks about take a little wine for your stomach sake. Uh, there's obviously some authorization for medicine in that passage. I think you're exactly so, right there on First Timothy five twenty three. Paul told Timothy, "Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine oft infirmities." Uh, I think that the medicinal use of wine there is is authority for the use of other medicines that may be beneficial. Uh, we think that verse obviously has been mis- misused a lot of times to try and justify social drinking, which is not under consideration in that text at all. Uh, that that passage doesn't have anything to do with authorizing social drinking, it, but I think it does, as you say, Derek, have some basis for our consideration in regards to taking medications that may help the body. Uh, and and so we would apply that principle. There again, there's a godly principle that we can apply in a broader sense. So if there are beneficial medications that might help a person in dealing with an illness, then I believe there's authority to use those. Yes. Uh, I think kind of... Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. Can't, um, so can't, I think kind of like generic authority between the Kent says uh, that uh, medic not no just as long as medication is used to alleviate suffering of those who are terminally ill and does not actively induce death, such is not wrong. I agree. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a what is it in Proverbs chapter thirty one uh, where it talks about uh, wine being for those who are perishing. So uh, in the Old Testament, there the the principle was that uh, that 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 you know certainly someone um, is. Uh, is terminally ill that uh, the, the application of of alcohol to to lessen their pain would be permissible uh, in Proverbs 31 is not for kings O Lemuel or not for kings to drink wine nor for princes strong drink lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Well, there's a principle there that's not just constricted to the Old Testament. You drink. And you forget the law. Yeah, it affects your judgment. It affects your judgment. But here's the thing. Give strong drink to him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Uh, so the the one who's ready to die, medication in the Old Testament was certainly permissible. Yeah. So All I right. think that that principle probably applies. So we've kept Derek too long, but Derek, uh, think you've done great work on this article. And as we said earlier, if anybody'd like a hard copy of that article, if you just send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, we can get you a, a copy of that back by email. And you'd be well. It, this is the kind of thing that you'd probably like to file away in in, in your file cabinet good. Uh, for future reference. Derek, you've done great work there, and we appreciate you joining us on the virtual Bible study tonight. Yes, thanks for having me. And, and Derek, before we let you go, the website uh, for the church down there, if anyone wants to listen to some of your sermons. It'd be com. All right. Uh, Oak Grove Church of Christ, Jennings, Florida.com. Derek, that, thanks all again. one word? All one word. you got to start. That's, okay. a, that's a lengthy one. Okay. Uh, Derek, thanks yes. for, again for taking time to be with us tonight. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll get a break. We'll get back. You've got one more topic for us. When we get on. back, we want to ask the question, well, can we expect a miracle? And if we can't expect a miracle, then why would we even bother to pray for someone who's very seriously ill?
All right. Don't go anywhere. The Verse Bible Study continues right now after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In 2017, more than half of Bible readers used the Internet, 55%, or a smartphone, 55%, to access biblical text. That was a significant increase from 2011 when the numbers were 37% for the Internet and 18% for smartphones, respectively. That information is via the Barna Group. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. We welcome uh, we welcome your comments. We still have time for them. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And we'll uh, try and get you on the air tonight. We're trying to get Dwight on here now. But you've got some uh, some more uh, questions there for us. All right. The, 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 the final question we had, and this was a little add-on to the things that Derek wrote in his excellent article. But I asked the question, could we expect a miracle? So here's I've got a, I've got a family member with, with an agreed by all medical authorities, terminal illness, no hope, and death is imminent. But I'm going to pray that God will miraculously heal this person. Maybe it's a, an enormous brain tumor that's growing exponentially day by day. Uh, could I expect a miracle? And I believe we have to be ready to, to answer no. There aren't any miracles taking place in the world today. We believe that the age of miracles ended. As Kent mentioned in his uh, email to us from Georgia, miracles existed in the first century to confirm truth, Mark 16, 17 through 20. Uh, so, and he says that, uh, there were obviously those in the first century who received medical benefits from such miracle miracles, but that wasn't even then the design of the miracles. Uh, the, the miracles were to confirm the truth being preached uh, in, in the first century. That was just one sort of miracles. There were other kinds of miracles that were being performed, but they were all for the purpose of revealing and confirming God's truth. Once that truth was fully revealed and it no longer needed additional confirmation and the miracles were withdrawn. First Corinthians 13 verses 8 through 13 teaches us that miracles would end when the full and final revelation of God was made known to mankind. We believe it, that it has been made known, and therefore miracles have ended. So we're not hoping for a miracle. Now, if that's the case, and then why would I even bother to pray for someone who has a terminal illness? And I, I think that that's a, a reasonable question, but... The answer to it is, first of all, pray because we're praying to God, uh, a God who asks us to pray for him, and a God who has promised to answer prayers. First uh, Peter 3.12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, his ears are open unto their prayers, uh, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Uh, James 5, verse 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, so we're encouraged to pray. God wants to hear from us. God does answer prayers. 
And while there may not be a miracle that occurs, we know that God can work in many ways, uh, even through his providence, to bring to pass things that are beneficial for his people. Uh, in James chapter 5, I just referenced the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And it goes on to talk about a situation in the Old Testament in which someone prayed and God answered the prayer in an amazing way, but a non-miraculous way. In James 5 verse 17, Elijah was a man of sub- subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Well, there wasn't anything miraculous. And droughts happen, droughts end. But through prayer, God could get God to providentially provoke a drought and end a drought. And so that's used as an example of the fact that prayer is effective to to bring about God's providential blessings to us. And I would say there's an advantage to praying for the sick. Now, if this person is terminally ill and, 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 and well past the, the point that the body uh, in its natural healing processes or the doctors with the medicines that they might administer is well past that point, then we're not expecting a miracle. But short of that, we know that, that God's providence can be effective and maybe the body does begin to heal itself maybe the medications that the doctors are administering begin to take hold and so there's a there's an advantage to prayer even though we're not expecting a miracle all right yeah and so someone getting better isn't necessarily a miracle somebody be maybe somebody's cancer being cured isn't necessarily a miracle and so you're not god doesn't have to work a miracle to heal someone you know, this is often thrown up to us when we say that we believe that miracles have ended. People often throw it, well, my my uh, second cousin three times removed uh, had a terminal brain tumor. The doctor said there the was nothing said to be done. No hope, no hope at all. And he got well. Now, how do you account for that? Well, I can't account for I don't have to account for that. But but here's one. The doctors aren't God. Doctors don't always know. That's right. And the body has amazing healing capacities that... Even the best doctors don't fully understand. And the medicines being administered may have done something that they weren't even designed to do that the doctors didn't know that they would do. There's all kinds of answers, but it's not a miracle. Because if it was a miracle, it would happen instantaneously. In the New Testament, when we read about Jesus healing people, it was instantaneous. People who had never walked before. For instance, Peter and John healed the the lame man who laid at the beautiful gate of the temple, uh, and he jumped to his feet and 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 uh, went into the temple with them, leaping and rejoicing, and instantaneous. And so there may be uh, ways in which uh, there's a uh, something takes place naturally, but it won't be a miracle. I think we got yeah, Dwight yeah, back. Yeah, no, no, don't Dwight. Okay. Um, so yeah, so God, God can help people get over their illnesses without having to work a miracle to do it, and so we can pray that God would help others yeah. or help us to get over illnesses. But uh, you mentioned that idea of, well, you know, the illness is just running its course here and not changing. Sometimes we, I, you know, it's a hard one, but we need to accept God's answer on our prayers. You know, yeah. Paul prayed that he would be healed of his thorn in the flesh and god said no yeah 
And Paul accepted that answer. And maybe we, maybe, you know, maybe the time comes where we accept, well, this is the way it's going to go, and I need to deal with it the way that God wants me to deal with it. Exactly right. All right. Exactly right. Uh, Kent in Calvin, Georgia says uh, no miracles exist. Well, I, yeah, I got the first got part to... of that, but, he's, but he mentions at the end of that, he said the purpose for praying on behalf of those who are sick is to petition God in his providence, which would be in accordance with his will for those individuals to be restored to health. And that's the difference. There's difference between God's miraculous work, which he has ceased in the world today, and God's providential work which still continues in the world today. God's active and God cares for his for his people. And I think that there's great comfort in that verse from 1 Peter 3:12. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. I mean, he sees us, he knows us. He knows what's going on with us. He knows our needs. And his ears are open to their prayers. Well, I, I don't know how you say that in in any more comforting or promising way. There's certainly advantages to putting our petitions before God. Uh, Mohan disagrees up in Chicago. He says God certainly can do miracles. However, some false prophets somehow persuade people they have healing abilities today. Well, God could do miracles. We're not saying God can't do miracles. We say that God has limited himself and he has ceased working miracles per verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah, and and uh, a, a miracle is is the obvious cessation of natural processes, natural law. Uh, and so, again, this uh, what Mo, our difference with what Mohan is saying there it may be a little bit involved with the definition of miracle. Semantics. Uh, because a, a miracle is when natural law is suspended. Jesus walked on water. Uh, Jesus instantaneously change water into wine. These are things that don't happen by nature. Paralytic individuals who've never walked before and could immediately walk. jump up and jump and, and, and walk around without yeah, any yeah, yeah. Without signs. therapy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if a, if, a, if a person who had been paralyzed for a long time or maybe never from even from birth knew how to walk, if they were healed of that, They'd have to go through months and maybe years of therapy to regain the walking capability. But when they were healed in the New Testament, it was instantaneous. That's the difference between a providential healing and a miraculous healing. All right. Okay. If you've got questions about that, we'd love to to discuss that in further detail. Um, All right. I think we're out of time tonight. Uh, Didn't get Dwight, unfortunately. We'll have to work on that. Uh, I think it may have been his his end of the thing. Uh, He he says he's still Now he says his phone's messing up. Ours was messing up. Well, I'm not sure. It may have been his from the start because I could hear him, but he couldn't hear me. But I didn't know. Maybe. We'll see. Okay, Dwight. Apologies, Dwight. Appreciate you listening out there in cold Iowa. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. The phone's frozen. Maybe. uh, Uh, That that, that juice running through the wires is getting frozen up. up. Kyle, uh, uh, any comments from you tonight? Oh, wait, wait. Now, uh, now we can hear you. Uh, uh, well, as Christians or as non-Christians, death will come for us all, of course. So, But I think uh, these are good topics. I think we need to be ready no matter what our fate, no matter what. Uh, we need to make sure that we're obeying what the Bible tells us to. So. Yeah. yeah. i got a couple of uh, comments in the youtube chat window that i didn't see apologies to angela uh she says years ago there weren't medicines to help prolong people's lives it wasn't suicide because they couldn't do anything about it it wasn't suicide simply because they couldn't do anything about it she said i think it would be a little i think would be a little careful with that view simply because the doctors say about babies and abortions you know 
I think, I, and I thought this earlier, Angela, you know, when talking about physician-assisted suicide, you open that door and they're going to want to, they're going to want to end the life of maybe a baby who they can tell by ultrasound has defect. a birth de- defect, maybe Down syndrome or something. You open that doctor-assisted suicide line and can you bar the door? Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for that comment, Angela. Uh, thanks, Kyle, for being here tonight. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dad, for your time. Thanks, Jay. And uh, thanks to Derek Long as well. Yeah, very much thanks us. to Derek. Appreciate and again, it. if you'd like a copy of his really good article on end-of-life issues, send me an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'll get it in the mail to you. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. Not uh, next week. Two weeks from tonight. That's right. Two weeks from tonight. Uh, we have, I've got to make sure we've got to verify that, but we're planning uh, having a discussion with uh, Lutheran Pastor um, Chuck Westra from uh, the Lutheran Church here in Columbia. Uh, talk about On baptism. Baptism. Yeah. And so we'll look forward to that. You'll be making plans for that. We'll verify that and get uh, get word for you next week on that. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.